Thank you for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message. You are welcome to visit us at 1800 Apostle Johnson Way in Annapolis, Maryland, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And be sure to check us out at www.thefcca.org. Okay, so that was rather weak. Let's do it one more again. How many of you are so glad to be in the house of the Lord one more time? How many of you are grateful for the, the breath that he has given you one more time? All right. Now one more time, give it to our big brother, Jesus Christ, who now sits on the right hand of our Father, who's interceding for us. Come on and give him. Somebody say he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Rose of Sharon. He's the beginning and the end. He is our keeper. He is the one who gives us peace that goes beyond all understanding. He is the one who extends to us grace and salvation and has restored us, plucked us up about a dark and dangerous and dingy place, placed our feet on a solid ground and said, now you are mine. If you know that Jesus, come on and give him another praise. God is good. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God. We thank you. Because as the song said, you're able. And we are witnesses to all the many things that you have brought us through. And even in times when we didn't understand what it was we were going through or why we were going through it, we still trust you. And so God, for everyone who's under the sound of my voice and you know every need of every person in here. Some need healing, some need restoration, some need peace, some just need an answer from you. And God, we are thanking you right now that it will be met on this day, that you are true to your word, and that you will provide everything that we need of if we trust in you. So now, God, as I stand behind this sacred desk, as I decrease in self, Father, I pray for your increase, because in my weakness you are strong, and I pray, God, that you would do what needs to be done on this day because you know every need that is in this room. And I'm thanking you that every need will be met. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. Will you turn with me, please, to the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter. I'm reading from the NIV version. Philippians 4, the fourth chapter. is going to come up on the screen. And we're going to be at the fourth Verse, fourth and seventh verses, a familiar passage as we're coming from the NIV passage. If you have it, and if it's on the screen, say amen. All right. This is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. And he says to them, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice and let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, in every situation, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds 
in Christ Jesus. So this morning, we want to talk about that perfect peace, that peace that goes beyond all understanding. Amen? You may be seated. So a few weeks ago, um, we did a message coming out of the book of Mark, and it was called The, the, little, the Other Little Boats. And, and the passage was, uh, uh, the, it was a familiar passage, of course, and, and it, it's about telling us how Jesus had come to the end of a long day of, of teaching and healing, and then he was fatigued, and he told his disciples, let's get in the boat and let's go on over to the other side. And while they were crossing, a fierce storm arose. And it rose and it, and it came up so suddenly and it was so fierce until it instilled a fear in the disciples like they had never experienced before. But while, and they were struggling to keep the boat afloat because the boat was sinking, it was filling up with water because the storm was so fierce. And while they were in the midst of struggling, trying to keep the boat up, and trying to deal with their fear of what was happening around them, the passage tells us that Jesus was asleep. He was under the stern, fast asleep. And so it was after the message that, after we did the message, and most Bible teachers and preachers would tell you, you know, once we do a message, it doesn't necessarily always leave us. You're still thinking about the passage, because as you know, a lot of times in passage, there's so many, so many sermons you can get out of two or three verses. And so it, wasn't, it, it wouldn't leave me. I kept thinking about Jesus being asleep in the midst of the storm. And I was just saying, now, I know there's some sound sleepers. Anybody in here a sound sleeper or know someone who sleeps like a rock? Yeah, I know some people sleep like a rock. Well, let me tell you, you got to be a seriously sound sleeper to be sound asleep, not even waking up, and the boat you're in is sinking, and it's raining on you. So now I understand that Jesus was fatigued, that he was very, very fatigued after having a long day, and, and perhaps he was so tired until the storm didn't wake him. However, I tend not to, to believe that. I just don't think that storm, I think the storm would have gotten him up. I just don't think he was that sound asleep. Then the other thought that I had, well, maybe he was sound asleep because he is the one who created the earth and the heavens. He is the one who controlled the winds and the waves. So maybe he was asleep because he knew everything was under control and he wasn't worried about it. And that's, that's plausible. I, I can get with that. That, that, that might have been it. But as I, as I continued to think on it, I, was saying, I said, but I think there's something else to it. Why was Jesus laying here under this stern, fast asleep? And they had to go and wake him up. I mean, I just, I just couldn't get it. And then I just kept thinking and kept thinking and kept thinking about it. And then I was like, okay, we can get a lot of messages out of it. I think, I think the message behind the message is not just about the storm. I think the message behind the message is not about Jesus' ability to control nature. And I don't even think it was about even the other little boats that we talked about. And the other little boats were people who are going through struggles that we're going through, but we don't think about them. We think we're the only ones who are going through anything. And so even though those are lessons that we can learn from those passages and apply to our life, I kept thinking, 
there must be another message behind the message. And what I came to the conclusion was that the message behind the message was Jesus didn't come to calm the storms in our life. But rather, what he did come to do was to give us peace when we were going through the storm. Because nowhere did he promise us that we would not have trials and tribulations. In fact, what he said was, my yoke is easy and my burdens are light. He never said we would not have a yoke to bear. He never said we would not have burdens. He just said, if you're with me, they're lighter. So he never promised that we wouldn't have storms. And so as I was thinking about the passage, I was thinking that what Jesus was teaching us or the other lesson that he was teaching us is that there are going to be storms that are going to come into our lives that even though he may not calm the storm and he understands that when it comes, it's going to come with a fierceness that will break our faith and will sink our faith, but he wants us to know we don't have to sink because he is there with us and he will give us a peace that would enable us to go through whatever the struggles that we're going through. Jesus said over in John 16, 33, he said, I have said these things, so in me you have peace. Because in this world you will have trouble. He said, in this world you're going to have trouble. But then he says this, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So we're going to have trouble. But he said, but I've come to give you peace. I've come to give you peace to deal with the troubles and the struggles that have come to seem like it's going to overtake you. But I want you to understand it's not going to overtake you because I'm here and I'm the one who has overtaken the world. I think we all need to go home and just meditate on that, just one beat, that little one piece of how God has come, Jesus has come to overtake the world and that he will give us this peace. So what he's saying to us is there is a peace that we can have, a, a peace that cannot be acquired by human will, but there is a peace that is a supernatural peace, a peace that only God can give to us, a peace that surpasses all human comprehension that will enable you and I to remain calm during the worst storm of our life a peace that he can give, a supernatural peace. And Paul wrote about that supernatural peace to the church in Philippi. And he wrote it when he was going through his own storm because he was on house arrest when he wrote this. And Paul said to his readers that we just read in Philippians 4, he told his reader, he said, rejoice in the Lord. And then he comes back, he said, again, I said, rejoice. Paul wasn't saying, be happy. He wasn't saying be happy. He understood that there are trials and pressures of life where it's impossible to be happy. We can't be happy. Who's happy about a prolonged illness? Who, who in here rejoices and is happy about the death of a loved one? Who, who is happy about a lost dream or a broken marriage? Who runs around and just speaks about their happiness? No, he wasn't talking about happy. We aren't happy when it seems like Jesus is sleeping while we're struggling through our worst storm. 
there are going to be difficult and challenging seasons. And for some of us, that season is here right now and as we speak. But I believe Jesus was teaching in that boat. And what Paul is affirming is that we may not be happy, but we still can have peace and joy. We may not be happy about the storm. We may not be happy about what's happening, what's happening around us, but in the midst of our unhappiness, we still can have joy. Now, you got to be saved to understand that because that is something that is difficult for the mind to comprehend. What kind of joy and peace are we talking about? We're talking about the kind that only can come from Jesus Christ. And the, and the thing of it is, is while we're in this, in this storm, and we have to understand that there is a difference between being happy and having peace and joy. There's a difference. There's a difference between happiness. You see, happiness is based on how we feel. Happiness is based on feeling. Happiness is based on if everything is going well, if I feel well, then I'm happy. If the bills are paid, I'm good. If there's food on the table, I'm good. If I'm feeling good in the party, I'm happy. If everybody in my family is good, I'm happy. But happiness is fickle. Because happiness can leave you. And he's saying to us that happiness is all based on feelings. Happiness comes from uh, an exter external circumstances. But the joy and the peace that Jesus is talking about, the joy and the peace that Paul is talking about, is not based on circumstances. It is based on the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And it comes from a supernatural source. And it's a peace that we cannot make ourselves have, but we got to ask for it and trust that God is going to give it to us. Peace and joy that comes from Jesus is permanent. Happiness is not permanent. I read somewhere that said that if happiness and peace and joy were a couple, happiness was going to be the one that was going to cheat on peace and joy. Happiness was the one going to leave you. Happiness is going to leave you as soon as life gets rough. Happiness is going to bail out on you. Happiness doesn't stick around when life isn't going good. Happiness will jump ship in a heartbeat. Happiness will cause you to look at people sideways and wonder why they're all happy and going through and, and being joyful while you're going through, especially after you done paid your um, Sunday tithes every Sunday. It's happiness. It will roll out on you. It's the unfaithful one. But there's something about this peace that only God can give. I've come to believe I've come to believe that next to salvation, and trust me when I say this, that salvation is the greatest event in one's life. But I've come to believe that the next greatest thing that can happen to us is that peace that God can give us that goes beyond understanding. I've come to believe that you know what? We can handle anything anything that life throws at us if we have peace. You see, if we have that peace that can calm our minds and can cause our fears to go away, if we have that peace that can settle us to say, come what may be, I'm good. If we have that peace that we don't get rattled and get bent out of shape, I personally think next to salvation, 
That peace is the greatest thing because when you start going through Scripture, all through Scripture is telling us, have peace, don't have fear. Have peace, don't have fear. All through Scripture. It's telling us he wants us to be calm. He wants us to be settled in our hearts. And he, wants, he wants us to, to, to be in a place where we just don't go through a whole lot of changes because of what's happening in our life. It's a kind of peace that we can't just bring up on our own. It's a kind of peace that's not affected by trouble or sorrow or danger, but it's a peace that enables us to remain calm in the worst situation. It's a supernatural peace. It's a peace that only can come to us from the Father through Jesus Christ. And then Paul tells us over in Philippians 4 how to get it. First thing Paul says to us, in, four, in Philippians 4 and 4, he says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't, don't be anxious. So now my question was, all right, Paul, now how are we going to do that? How, how are we going to do that? Paul is not saying that we are not to be concerned. There's a difference between being concerned and worrying. What's that difference? Because, see, if I'm, as far as I'm concerned, that's a thin line. What's the difference between being concerned and being worried? The difference is, is how you position God in relationship to your trouble. In relationship to your trouble, where is God? Is God bigger than your trouble? Is God outside of your trouble? Is God away from your trouble? Do you feel God is even concerned about your trouble? Where is God in relationship to your trouble? Worrying tends to shut God out because worrying focuses on what can I do? What can I do to make this right? What can I do to turn this situation around? It's not so much about what God can do. Worrying leaves God out because worrying suggests that God cannot or will not, will not, handle what I'm going through. And so he tends to shut him out. And so therefore, when we look at, 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 at what concern is, is that, no, I'm concerned about what's going on. I, but what happens is that I now put God in between my trouble and what I'm dealing with. That's when it becomes concern. It becomes concern when I understand, yes, this is an issue. But God, I'm putting you in charge of this because this is something I can't handle. It is beyond my pay grade. I do not have this ability. You're going to have to do what you're going to have to do. And you know what, God? I'm going to lay back. I'm going to chill out and let you handle this because I can't do it. And if your promises are true, like you said it's true, I know you're going to fix it. Some kind of way, somehow you're going to fix it. But I'm trusting that even though you may not fix it the way I want it to be fixed, it's going to be okay because you are in charge. That's when you can start laying back and chilling out and relaxing and understanding that God has this and that he will fix whatever the situation is that if we only trust him. Paul then says to us, he says, now turn it over to God. Go to him. He said, don't be anxious by anything, but this is the thing you need to do. Go to him. Take whatever your concern is. Take whatever that's keeping you up at night. Keep, take whatever that is troubling your heart. 
take it. He didn't say take some things. He said take everything, anything. And here's the other piece to it. Don't worry about how small you may think it is. Because sometimes we deal with them small issues. And they're worrying us. And they're concerning us. And he's saying to us, take whatever it is that's bothering you. So I ask the question to anyone who's in the sound and the sound of my voice, what's bothering you today? What's troubling you? Is anyone in here, maybe you haven't spoken to God recently because you think he's responsible for the position that you're in right now. Is there one? You're God. You could have fixed it a long time ago. Why haven't you? Sometimes we don't talk to God because we got an attitude with him. Anybody ever been there? You are all powerful. What's on your heart right now? What's troubling you right now? Are you saying, God, what happened wasn't fair? He was too young. Why is he gone? Why now? Why? You could have stopped it. What's on your heart? Whatever is on your heart right now that troubles you, that brings tears to your eyes, that causes you to stay awake at night, that even may cause you to wonder about your relationship with God, he's saying, don't be anxious, give it to him. Bring your petition to God. Look, God ain't scared if we got an attitude. He's not. He doesn't, that, that, doesn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't frighten him. It doesn't intimidate him. He already know we got an attitude. He said, now bring it to me and let me help you. Let me help you because this is the thing. God knows that you're hurting. When Jesus' friend, Lazarus, died, Scripture tells us that he wept. Was Jesus crying because Lazarus was gone? No. I believe Jesus was crying because he felt the pain of his sisters and the people around him. Don't think that Jesus doesn't feel our pain. I believe he was crying because he knew they didn't understand that there is a resurrection and that they will see him again. I think he was crying because we are not in a position where we always grasp what comes after this. And that he was crying because he understood the hurt, and the pain. I ask you again, what's troubling you? What's troubling you? Because he is willing to receive it. He says, come and bring it to me in every situation by prayer and petition. And he said, and when you come, come with thanksgiving. Come thanking him. Lord, I'm going to lay this at your feet. And I'm thanking you right now, first of all, for the opportunity that I can lay it at your feet. Let me start with that. I thank you for the reason, for the thing that you have invited me and you welcome me to bring it to lay it at your feet. And I'm thanking you because you're going to take this because I can't handle this anymore. I can't do it. I need you to take it. And I'm thanking you. I'm thanking you that you can take it and you will take it and you're going to deal with it. And then Paul says, now, after you turn it over to him, and after you have given him the glory and thanking him for it, he then says, 
and the peace of God. So a couple of things we got to do. Don't be anxious, but understand you might be. So in your anxiousness, let's do this. Let's go to God and give it to him in prayer. And then he says, now, after you give it to him in prayer, lay it all out there on the altar, and after you're thanking him, he says something was going to happen in return. He said, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, is now going to come. So now there's a peace that's going to come, and this peace that's going to come is, is, is beyond any kind of human logic that we can understand. It is a God kind of peace. It's a peace that only God can give to us. It's a supernatural peace. And he says, this peace I'm going to give to you. You've got to do this first, but I'm going to give you this peace. And then here's the last thing this peace is going to do. It says, it will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus Christ. Now, let's talk about that for real quick because we're coming to the end of this. What a blessing that is. That the peace that he's going to give to us is going to guard our hearts and our minds. What does that mean? The word guard that Paul uses here, it doesn't mean to watch over. It doesn't mean to keep in prison. The word guard that Paul uses here is in the context of this passage, it's a military term. It means it's going to stand post and guard your heart against the attack of the enemy. Paul is saying the gift of peace that God gives to us becomes a fortress around our mind and around our heart. It comes in and it starts building up this wall around us so that when worry starts heading in our direction, it can't get to our mind and it can't get to our heart. He's saying that he will keep our fear. No, it may come at you, but the, the peace that God will give to us will surround us to the point that even when fear comes in our direction, it will say, you can't get in. You're not going to get into our heart. You're not going to get into his mind because I'm protecting it. I'm going to protect it from any kind of thoughts that may come, that come to tear up their faith, to tear up their thoughts, to take them off the path. He's saying the peace that I'm going to give you is going to protect you and I'm going to stand guard like a soldier watching over your heart, watching over your mind. Can you receive that? Can you receive that? I'm going to guard you all around you. Nothing. Nothing's going to penetrate me. Because I got your heart. And I got your mind. So when the devil starts coming at you and giving and sowing seeds of doubt and fear, God is standing and saying, no, you got to back up because this heart is under my charge. You cannot come in. You got to rebuke that thing in the name of Jesus. Pull out every scripture you got and stand on Jesus Christ and stand on his word. Don't believe the report. And as the word said, whose report are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? You're going to believe God or you're going to believe the enemy? Which one are you going to do? It's up to us. Whose report? He will guard our hearts. Let me tell you something. Pastor Queen and I can tell you, and other pastors too can tell you, we have, we have witness. We have witness this supernatural peace. We have witness because we have been in the hospital rooms where prognosis have come and it wasn't good. We have been in, in home-going services and seen the sadness and the heaviness of people who were dealing with the loss of a loved one, but yet in the midst of their grief, there still was a joy. 
There was this thing that they call unspeakable joy. They may was crying and had tears, but there was still a peace in their heart because they knew this wasn't the end. They knew that Jesus Christ was victorious. You know, that's the funny thing about peace. You can cry, but still be at peace at the same time. You've been going through changes, but you can still have joy at the same time. It's a funny thing. And people don't always understand that. How can you have a broken heart? But said, but if I give, I have joy in Jesus Christ. Who does that? Who does that? I tell you who do, who, who, who fall in that is the folks who have put their trust in God and, that, and they have that peace that goes beyond understanding. It's that peace that only God can give to you. He is the only reason why you even can put one foot in front of the other because he has given you peace. Come what may, it's all good with me. The songwriter said, it is well, it is well with my soul. You can come to the point where you say that there's a subtleness that comes into your soul. It settles you right down, calms you to your heart. Not only have we witnesses, but we can tell you we've gone through it our own selves. On this day, November 18th, on this day, 30 years ago, on this day, my daddy was diagnosed with leukemia. November the 18th, leukemia. I didn't even never really heard of it. But my dad was diagnosed. And five days later, on Thanksgiving morning, God called him home. You see, this time of year, I can kind of get a little, kind of feel a little funny like, even after all of these years, I still kind of get a little, <clears throat> but I'm telling you, even though I might be like that, I know one thing, I'm good. Yeah. I'm going to see him again. Doesn't mean you don't have sadness. Doesn't mean that on Thanksgiving morning when we sit, I mean Thanksgiving afternoon when we sit down to dinner, I'm not going to think about it. I will, but I'm okay. And that's the one thing that peace will give you. It will just let you be okay. That you're good to go. And I know I'm not the only one in this room who know exactly what I'm talking about. I know I'm not the only one in this room who understands that peace that even though your heart might be broken and even though he may be in the process of putting it all back together again, you're still good because you know he's fixing it. He's going to fix your heart. He's going to fix your mind. It's going to be all good to go because Jesus is a keeper. He's the one who sustains us. He is the one. So Jesus understands. He understands all about it. And Jesus told his disciples just before he went to the cross, he said to this, he said, because he wanted the boys to be ready. He knew it was getting ready to be a rough time. He was on his way to the cross. He knew they were going to be scattered all over the place. He knew their little mind was going to be messed up. They were going to run in fear. We're going to hide. He knew all of that. But Jesus said to them, he said, my peace, I give you. In other words, he said, I own this. My peace. I'm going to give it to you because you're going to have some rough days ahead of you. And Jesus said it. He said, I want to give you this peace. It was his personal peace. Jesus will gift you and I with that same kind of peace that he gave to his disciples. The peace that Jesus had, 
The kind of peace that Jesus had, it enabled him to endure mockers. It enabled him to endure traitors and backstabbers. It enabled him to endure him standing before Pontius Pilate and the whole crew. Jesus had the kind of peace that he stood there. Even when the man said to him, do you have anything to say for yourself? Jesus just stood and looked at him. Why? Because he had peace. Jesus understood, look, dude, you can't do nothing to me. I'm good. I'm all together right here. Nothing can touch me. You can touch this body, but you can't touch my soul. That's what he was saying to them. That same peace that Jesus had, he said, I give it to you. Now, here's the thing. We have to decide we're going to receive it. He said, I give it to you. You only have to beg me for it. All you got to do is ask for it. And trust me, don't worry about what things look like, because things can look funny. Don't worry about what you hear, because people can talk funny. Don't go through all of them changes. But I just need you to focus on me, trust me, because I want you to understand I got you. Because this peace that I have, it will keep you in perfect peace. It's a supernatural peace. And the peace that I'm going to give to you is like I've already said, it's going to guard your heart and going to guard your mind. You're going to sleep good tonight because he is going to be watching over you and he will never leave us nor he will forsake us. Paul wrote this. Paul said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That wasn't a command. Rather, it was a plea was a plea that he was saying, look here, I'm begging you. Give whatever it is that's troubling you, give it to God. Because he's going to give you this supernatural peace. And so I say in conclusion, Jesus didn't come to calm the storm. Because storms continue to rage. Jesus didn't come to remove trials and tribulations. He didn't come to do that. But what he came to do, he said, I came to give you my peace. And I'm going to give you a peace that goes beyond understanding. I'm going to give you that perfect peace. Now, we got to decide if we're going to let peace rule in our hearts and if we're going to let that perfect peace take up residence. If you can receive that, let's put your hands together. Let's just bless the Lord right now. While the decision councils are coming forward. All of the ribbons that have been laid on this altar, even some that are here and, and those that have not, because all of us in some manner or some way we've been touched. And I know right now in this room, there's grief. There is, God, what you going to do? There is, I need strength. I'm a caregiver. I, I want to be there. I need to do what I got to do. But one thing we can say in this room, too, that's here is there's hope. And the reason we can say there's hope, because wherever Jesus Christ is, there's always hope. And the hope that we're talking about, like we even said earlier when we were reading our core values, it's not the kind of hope that's fickle, you know. You know how sometimes you say, well, I hope this happens. We're not talking about that kind of hope. 
We're talking about a real hope. We're talking about Jesus Christ, who is the personification of hope. He is hope. And there isn't anything any of us are going through right now that he isn't touched by. Jesus hears every prayer, every prayer. And trust me, in due season, he will answer. So if there's anyone here, maybe right now you are struggling. We invite you to come. We will pray with you. We'll pray with you and whatever it is that you're standing in need of. Because we know that God's going to fix it. And we know and believe that it's going to be all right. And we're not just saying it because it sounds good. We're saying it because we know it's true. We know it's true. So if there's one here and you would like to come for prayer, we welcome you. If there's one here and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your person to save, you don't have a relationship with him, okay, well, here's your chance. Because all of us at one time didn't have a relationship with him. So we invite you if you are here for salvation. We invite you if you are here and maybe you are already saved, but you just haven't been in connection with call God or church or you know you've been doing the praying at home but you haven't been in corporate worship you've strayed away in your heart we invite you at this time so prayers in the house if you need prayer or will want someone to touch and agree with you please come down or we'd be more than happy to pray we're more than happy to minister to you and to give you and to pray with you and to stand with you today. All right, Pastor Darrell. Go with him. Is there another? Amen. I'm going to ask my pastors to come, please, and go. Amen. God bless you. One of the ministers will be with you. Is there another? Is there another? all can be prayerful within our hearts for those who are here those who have made the step forward is there another I know there are others here and it's okay is there one there is none amen we're all good since y'all looking at me notice that Pastor Queen. I know you're thinking. <laughs> I know you're thinking. Come on. Amen. Is there another? Amen. beside you say you all right you good you good you holding on to anything 
Go ahead and ask if you're holding on to anything. Come on, let's go ahead and unload it today. Come on. Is there one? Everybody good? All right, look there. Okay, so I'm getting ready to do a pastor thing right now. I'm going to mess with y'all a little mind, okay? I'm getting ready to mess with your little mind right now. God already knows what you think. So come on, if you already know you got a little issue, come on, let's deal with it, because you already know. The pastor can't watch you do that. You already know. Is there one? All right. Okay. Let's give the Lord a hand praise. together again. Now let's thank God for the survivors. Let's thank God for the survivors. Come on, thank you for the survivors. Yes. We're not going to say survivors. We're going to say thank you for the ones who have been victorious. All of the victories is in here. Come on, let's give God. Because it was God who did it. It's God who did it. Come on now, give a praise for the caregivers, the people who are taking him to the hospitals and to the doctor's appointments. Come on, you can do it one more again. The caregivers need some support. Yeah. Now let's give a praise for those whose loved ones have already been taken and God has given them that perfect healing. He's given the perfect healing. Let's pray for the loved ones who are here and who are going through the grief and that God understands their grief and it's okay to grieve. But we thank you that not only in their grief they got joy. How many of you just love this unspeakable joy? that only God can give to us that peace that can go beyond understanding. Let us pray as we prepare to be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, dear Lord. We thank you, God, for this peace that you give to us. We thank you, God, that, that you don't allow us to just rest on our own abilities and our own accord, dear Lord, but you know where we are. You know what troubles us. You know what keeps us up at night. So God, we thank you that you have given us a way that we can come to you with all our concerns, no matter how big or how small we may think they to be. So God, we thank you that you are a fixer. We thank you that you are a healer. We thank you for your deliverance and your restoration. We thank you, God, the peace that you are giving to us. And God, I pray now in the precious name of Jesus and everyone in here who comes to you and ask you for that perfect peace. I'm thanking you right now that you will give it to them in the name of Jesus to guard their hearts and their minds. Now, Father, as we leave from this place, as we leave from this place, God, allow us to be the vessel through which your light shines, that we can speak hope and speak peace and speak life into someone that we may encounter. We thank you now. Please bless these, your people. In the name of Jesus, let the church say, Amen. Amen.